Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Hope Dealer series, we are so excited. I'm so excited. I'm Red Bull excited today for you to hear this first message. You got an early drop. Someone say early drop. It's like when a mixtape's about to come out, but it's not out yet. And the artist gives an early drop. Anyway, um, this is an early drop. This is our May series, but we kicked it off a week earlier because we got so much to talk about. Uh, neighborhood Hope Dealer. How many were not here? You were not here last year when we did this series. You were not. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. I'm a little hyper today. I'm a little hyper. I'm a little, like, I feel like Rocky in I'm, I feel like Rocky about to fight Apollo here. Um, I feel like Tiger Woods at the Masters. Come on, I feel like Peyton Manning. Omaha, Omaha. I'm ready, I'm ready. Hit your neighbor and say, he's ready, he's ready. But today I gotta lay a foundation for us and uh, just encourage you to lean in all these me- all, uh, month long, five messages. We're gonna be coming out of this series and, and really this is a series that has marked our church. Really, if I, could, if I could rewind in the last year and say where was it when everything changed, it would be last year during the Hope Dealer series. Everything shifted for our church. Everything shifted. We, we, I just feel like we zeroed in. We hit the bullseye of our mission and our vision for Fuel Church. And as we, as we unpack this series, our church began to get more intentional. More intentional. That's, that's the best word to say. More intentional about dealing hope to our community. And we've seen God do amazing things in the last 12 months since we did this series. But how many know we're just getting started? Come on, I said we're just getting started. Four, four service opportunity times now, and we're going to watch God do what he did last year when we launched the third, and we thought, man, could he ever fill all three of them? Could, could God do it? I want you to hit your neighbor and say, won't he do it? I know it's not proper English, but go ahead, hit him. Won't he do it? You watch what God's about to do, because there's people there that you are in relationship with, there's coworkers, there's family and friends that you're going to, I want you to look around, just look around. There's some empty seats at all four services. There are going to be empty seats, but we're going to watch God fill it, right? We're going to watch him do it. What an awesome thing. We had to add a fourth. We had to add a fourth. Now, now people, no, no, you don't understand this because there's, there's uh, over a thousand churches that close their doors every month. They, they shut them. They're done. I talked to a pastor this week. He, he just announced two weeks ago, I, we can't do it. We, we're, we're shutting our doors. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It, it breaks my heart as a pastor to hear that. Here we are adding service. Tell me, God is moving up in here. God is doing something here and we all get to be a part of it. We all get to be a part of it. So I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna read two scriptures. Here's kind of the flow of it. For all the note takers, get ready to write fast. I'm gonna talk fast. We got a lot of ground to cover today. Can you tell I'm excited? Yeah, four cups of coffee. I'm ready. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read two scriptures that are going to be the foundation for this series, okay? And then we're going to jump into the life of Jesus because we got to know who the ultimate hope dealer is. 
We gotta know what he's about. We gotta know his characteristics. We gotta know how he acted when he was on earth towards people who were the misfits of society, who were the hurting, the messed up, the addicted of society. So we're gonna look at the life of Jesus. Then we're gonna look at a few things we need, foundational things, doctrinal things that we need in our life in order to tell of the hope that lies within. The Bible says, be ready. Someone say, be ready. Be ready to tell of the hope that lies within. And so we gotta be ready, but we gotta know a few key things in our lives about ourselves. And we gotta know how God views us before we can go out and deliver hope to someone else. Are you with me? All right, here we go. Here we go. Isaiah 58, 12. You will build again the old places that the enemy destroyed. You know of some places that the enemy's ravishing right now? You know of some people that he's trying to tear apart? And you will build the old houses again. I love this because I find Fuel Church right here in this. People will call you the person who mends broken walls and the person who builds again streets with houses. <laughs> Another translation says they will call you the repairer of the breach. The repair, something's been broken, something's been breached. The enemy has came in and breached some homes, some minds, some marriages. We are called the repairer of the breach. Can I get an amen? And then Jesus says this in Luke's gospel. Quickly, someone say quickly. Get out into the city streets and alleys. We don't have much time, folks. Tomorrow's not promised to no man. Collect all who look like they need a square meal. All the misfits, the homeless, and the wretched, you lay your hands on and bring them here. So what? That my house may be filled. So that my house may be filled. You need to know this today, that Jesus wants his house full. Why have we made more room for people? Because Jesus wants his house full. He doesn't want his house empty. He wants people to come to know God and find freedom and discover purpose so they can make a difference on this planet. Can I get an amen? Amen. So in this series, we're going to talk about how the church, the church which is you and I, are commissioned by God to be neighborhood hope dealers. Here today, we're sitting at Fuel Church, which is simply brick and mortar and drywall and concrete. And I'm so glad you're sitting here today. Actually, you made the best decision all week by being here today. You made the best decision you've made all week by Pete. I know it was fighting hell to get here, right? But you're here. Come on, Fruit Loops flying through the air. Come on, somebody. Snagged your shirt on the way here. Spilled coffee on the front of it. Come on, somebody. Had to buy a fuel shirt. Come on now. But you're here. You're here. So the reality is you and I make up Fuel Church. When we leave this building, Fuel Church leaves. Fuel Church leaves. Why? Because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are little Jesuses here on earth. Hit your, na- hit your neighbor and say, what's up, Jesus? <laughs> we are the hands and feet. We are the expression of God's love here on earth. Jesus isn't sitting in this seat right now. But he's sitting in that seat and that seat and that seat and that seat because he's in you and I. Are you hearing this? So, 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 so we make up this beautiful expression the ecclesia, the, the Greek word means, the ecclesia for church means the called out ones. We've been called out of darkness and brought into the light. Can I get an amen? amen. So I want us to start. I want, you're going to hear this in this series. You're going to hear the heart of Fuel Church these next five weeks. You're going to hear my heart as your leader. 
as your pastor, and you're going to hear what we're praying and believing for God to do in this next season. Because we can't stop and we won't stop until all of God's lost kids are found. Period. Period. We are on assignment here. We're not called to comfortable Christianity. We're not called to just sit there in the five-inch padding chairs that we got. We should only got three inches. So you weren't as comfortable, but we went with five for your comfortability. But we are called to be engaged. Someone say engaged. We are not a consumer church. We are a contributor church. I don't believe Christianity is, is a consumer thing. And we have a whole lot of uh, consumer Christians out there. Well, I just come and I sit there and I, bless me. Bless me, pastor. Bless me, bishop. Bless me. Us four and no more. No, we, you need to go out and bless somebody. It's not all about us. We exist for those who are not here yet. We love you and your family, and we're going to do our best to instill the word of God in them, and you're going to grow spiritually here, but we exist for those who are not here yet. And so we need to know that, but I want to lay a quick foundation in the life of Jesus and see how he fulfilled the mission of being the ultimate hope dealer. Jesus had a mission statement, and he said it himself. I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus said it. How do we know that? The words are in red. (laughs) Took a Bible college degree to figure that out. The words are in red, people. Jesus, this is who he was. You got to know his characteristics. He was always found loving those that the church judged. He didn't vibe. He didn't vibe. He didn't gel. He didn't mesh with the religious organization called the church back then. Actually, they hated him. Actually, they came against him and his small group of 12 disciples. Actually, they mocked him. Actually, they're the ones that got him up to Golgotha's hill for the crucifixion. Hmm? Jesus was found loving those the church judged. He was found sitting at the table of those they were afraid of and found embracing with grace those they would run from. And we see this because his top priority was on relationship, not religion. Relationship, not religion. Acceptance rather than performance. And he valued friendship before behavior. Hmm? So the religious leaders would keep pressing him all throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all throughout him pressing him. Why do you hang out with such sinners? Jesus Why do you have dinner with such misfits and the outcasts of society? And so Jesus kept saying the same thing to them, just in different ways. Some of the things he would say is this, I'm called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He would use parables, stories. He would say things like, if a farmer has 100 sheep and one gets lost, does he go and find the one or does he stay with the 99 found ones? Jesus said, no, he leaves the 99 to search for the one loss. I'm so thankful that I was the one. Oh, can I just stop right there just for 10 seconds and say, thank God I was the one that he left to come and find. Have you been found? Find people, go after other people who are lost. He would say things like, they that are whole don't need a physician, but they that are sick do. And I came to call the righteous, or I I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
One of his most famous parables or stories is the story of the Good Samaritan about a man who had been beaten and robbed and and cut up and, and left for dead on the side of the road. And the Bible says that a Christian, a fuel church member, walks by, sees the man in the state he's in and walks by on the other side and doesn't help him. But what's crazy, who walks by next is a pastor. Says a priest. Walks by, sees the, this man who'd been left for dead on the side of the road. And Jesus tells the parable that the pastor looked at him, but didn't want to be inconvenienced and walked by on the other side. But then the good Samaritan comes by and sees the man in the condition he's in, kneels down, binds his wounds, takes care of him, makes sure he gets the proper treatment that he needs. So this was his mission. This was Jesus's mission. So it became his passion to be a friend of sinners, a friend of sinners, a friend of, this actually was his label. Like they would see him coming. Oh, that's Jesus. Who's he? Someone would ask. Oh, he's that friend of sinners. Like he meets with the tax collectors, IRS people. Hello. Um, he, he meets with like crazy people, like people who have like leprosy, who aren't allowed inside the city gates. And he meets with people like prostitutes and like he hangs out with like the rough misfits of society. Yeah, that's Jesus, friend of sinners. That's what they labeled him. That's what they labeled him because that's who he came for. And I got to tell you, church, that this is really good news for all of us here today. Because whether you think you're good or you know you're bad, the truth is we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Whether you think you're good or you know you're bad, the good news is Jesus is a friend of sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, yet Jesus came for us. Jesus sought us out and he continues to do so. Because Jesus isn't intimidated by our hurt, our messy lives, our pain, our addictions, or our sins. He is a friend of sinners because Jesus has always and will always desire one thing from you and I. And that, my friend, is relationship. Relationship. With Jesus, this is how it works. Relationship first, change second. Relationship first, change second. For too long, we've heard in the church, some of you grew up in churches like this. Well, you gotta clean your act up first, then come and to Jesus, and then he'll accept you. Wrong. You're reading from the wrong Bible, sir. I don't see that in the scriptures. I've studied it. Huh? Well, you know, we just don't accept those type in our church. Well, what type do you accept? The religious, self-righteous, who have more sin in their life that is unseen than the people who have sin that's seen. The people who gossip and lie, which is part of the seven things that God says he hates. Well, you know, they've been saved for four weeks and they're still smoking in the parking lot. Well, you, you still all messed up in pornography. You've been saved 30 years and you cheat on your wife every night. I know how to kill a shout in the church. It's all right, I'm confident. I'll preach this three more times. It's all good. But we look down our religious nose because, oh, we've been in the faith longer than someone who just walked through the doors. And they don't change within a week. And they're still smoking and joking and midnight token. Come on, somebody. 
You was just at the club. Anyway. Relationship first. Change. You, you need to know who Jesus is if you're gonna be a hope dealer. You need to know his characteristics because here we don't judge people. We're not someone's Holy Spirit. And, and friend, let me tell you, you're not your spouse's Holy Spirit either. I know you think you are, but allow them to journey on. Allow the Holy Spirit to change them. Relationship first, change second. Relationship first, change second. Uh, last I checked, you don't clean a fish first before you catch it. You catch it and then begin to clean it. Any fishermen in here? I like to fish. I like to fish. I'm about to be fishing in a few weeks. I can't wait. I don't know how to fish, but I like to do it. I don't know what I'm doing, but I like to do it. It's peaceful. I put on worship music. I fish. I feel like Jesus out there. You don't, you don't clean it before you catch it. You catch it, and then you clean it. Hmm? Relationship first, change second. Perfection isn't the admission price into the kingdom of God. And if you got it all together, if you are the one without sin, if you are the one who looks down at other people, you probably should be finding a new place to worship. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I, I, I'm always truthful with you, right? This probably isn't the place for you if you're gonna pick apart everybody. You ever had a scab that wouldn't heal? And you came to the realization, the reason it's not healing is because I keep picking at it. And you got Christians like that. Well, did you see her skirt? Well, I smell weed up in the church. Good! I hope we smell more of it. Well, I smelled alcohol. I ain't smelled that in two weeks. Good! Good! I mean, that's who we're after. The healthy don't need a doctor. The sick, the anemic, the hurting, the disease of sin, they need a doctor. They're in the right place. God never called us to be perfect. He only called us to be truthful. And here's the problem with many of us with this relationship first change second thing. It doesn't sit well with our belief system. Hear me now. It doesn't sit well with our belief system. Why? Because we come into an atmosphere like this and we feel unworthy to even lift our hands. Why? Because we're all in process. We're all in process of change. Someone say you're in process. We're all in a lifelong renovation project. All of us. All of us. All of us. There's some wives out there. Your house has been under renovation for 35 years. You know what I'm talking about. And we are all on a lifelong renovation project. We will not be completed until we get to those pearly gates. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful. He's looking for faithfulness. Faithful servant. So we feel unworthy. We come in. Ah, I don't feel worthy to lift my hands. I don't feel like I'm enough to serve on this dream team. I got issues. I got stuff in my life. I, I messed up this week. I don't feel like I'm qualified to share my faith. I don't even know if I can open my Bible. The thoughts that I'm having. I don't, I don't feel worthy. I'm a mess. 
Can I submit to you that the church is supposed to be messy? If we have no messes, we have no opportunity for miracles. (laughs) If we have no messes, we have no opportunity for a miracle. Jesus isn't scared of your mess, not intimidated. Oh my God, never seen this one. Dear God, they're a hot mess. She's a hopeless case. Man, the walls may fall down today in church. Lightning may strike. No, 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 no. He wants relationship first. He wants change second. You say, well, you know, Jacob, yeah, yeah. It's not religious people. All sad, like they just swallowed a lemon. Wow. They got this little fat here that jiggles. Wow. Well, I just, yeah, you're getting all these people say, but, you know, what are you doing to help them? Oh, we're discipling them because discipleship is a byproduct of relationship. You may want to write that down in your notes by your highlighted points. Discipleship is a byproduct of relationship. So we're going to walk with people, and we're going to journey. We're going to help them take their next steps so they can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And we're going to get them plugged into a small group so they can do life together. Because the Bible says that something happens when we get a few people in our life that knows what's between our toes and a few people that we can be real with and be truthful with that can help us when life throws us a curveball when we get that bad news. We're going to do life with people, and we're going to get them connected to faith-based organizations to help them if they have addictions and if they need counseling, maybe for their child or for their marriage. We're going to connect them to those places, and we're going to walk with them through the process of discipleship. But relationship first. Change second. This is how Jesus is. If this is how Jesus is, and we are followers of him, right? Are we every day trying to be more like him? I hope we are. We're not trying to be like this world. We don't fit in in this world, church. We're trying to be like him. Then if he is relationship first and change second, then so are we. So are we. So are we. So are we. The first step in the process is know God. Have a relationship with him. The second step is finding freedom from your hurts, hangups, and habits. Discovering your God-given purpose so you can make a difference. Is this okay today? It's just a foundation. So how can we follow in the steps of Jesus? If you could get me another water, brother. (laughs) Kind of parched up here. (laughs) Just needed a little bit. I'm good now. Thank you. If Jesus was a friend of sinners, if Jesus was the ultimate hope dealer, then what, what, what must we do? to be a friend of sinners, to be this hope dealer. In order to deal hope, we must know the characteristics of God. So let me switch gears here for the remainder of our time. We must know the characteristics of the God of all hope. And here's a few thoughts on how God thinks about you. Because if you don't know these things, you really can't give answer to the hope that lies within. You you can't give answer. I love that scripture. It's in 1 Peter 3, 15, 16. Jot it down. And if someone asks about the hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. 
but do this in a gentle and respectful way. I love that. You got to read the Bible. It'll rock your life. Do it in a gentle and respectful way. But, but we will never know how to tell of the hope that lies within if we don't know the God of all hope and how he thinks about us. How he thinks about us is very important. It's very important. But let me tell you what's more important than that. How you think about God. How you think about God. Number one, you need to know today how God thinks about you. You are completely accepted. You need to know this. You got to know this, church, if you're going to go out and you're going to be the answer, if we're going to help people who are messed up, who are hurting and lost, because we spend much of our times trying to earn acceptance from our parents, our peers, those who respect, those who we envy, and even total strangers. We need to realize that God has already settled this issue of acceptance. Titus 3.7, Jesus made us acceptable to God, Period. What Jesus did on the cross made you completely acceptable to God. You couldn't do enough good works. You couldn't have perfect church attendance. You couldn't have a thousand deeds that you did and be any more accepted than you are right now. Right now. But what do we do? What do we do? Because we follow the culture lots of times. We strive for more likes. We strive for more hearts. We strive for more comments and we take a hundred selfies so we can just get one out of the hundred to post it because that's the best one out of a hundred. Because we want acceptance. We thrive on it. No matter how old you are, we all want it. It's human nature within us. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in this culture that says your worth and value is in how many likes you got, how many comments, how many friends you got on Facebook, how many friends that you'll never meet in your life that you got on Facebook. Are those really friends? How many hearts you got? How many reposts you got? How many comments you got? And we'll validate our self-worth on that. And that, my friend, is shallow Christianity. Some of you are so caught up in your phone that you don't even know you're completely accepted by God. You're so caught up in your feels. Oh, if they'll just like it. If they'll just tell me I'm pretty. If they'll just tell me I look great in that outfit. You're so caught up, you don't even realize that you're completely accepted by God. You're searching for acceptance in all the wrong places. You're not going to find it in social media world. You're not going to find it. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Some of you need to deactivate your social media pages today. Today, that's for somebody. You're so addicted to this, it's like crack. I know I'm telling the truth. They ain't saying a word. He coming to play some spiritual music back here to help me, but. You validated your worth by this dumb thing. By this. And I've done it too at times. Truth be told. Truth be told, all of us could raise our hand and say, yep. You need to know you're completely accepted by God. God doesn't change us to accept us. He accepts us and then changes us. Number two, you're unconditionally loved. Number two, you're unconditionally loved. God doesn't say, I love you if, I love you because. He says, I love you, period. There are no conditions. You can't make God stop loving you because his love is not based on what you do, but it's based on who he is. God is love. He is the personification of love. He's love. 
nowhere you could go. Nothing you could do. No sin too big that was, makes God stop loving you. How many parents do I have in here? You still love your kids even though they disobeyed you. Right? Even though they mouthed off to you this morning and threw Cheerios across the kitchen. Even though they fought in the car with their sibling, you still love them. Even though they flunked that test, you still love them. Even though they made a bad decision by hanging out with those friends, you still love them. Even though they may have drank alcohol to young, you still love them. Why? Because they're yours. I love my three kids, no matter what they do. Why? Because they're mine. They're mine. God says, I love you. Why? Because you're mine. There's nothing you can do about it. You're unconditionally loved. You're my kids. You're my kids, God says. You got to know this today. Sometimes find ourselves in a bad condition or a moment of weakness where we grapple with the fact, wondering, does God still love me? I've failed him, I know. (laughs) Have your kids failed you? Yep, my kids have, but I still love them. I still love them. And we wrestle with it. I know I have. Man, God, I, I missed it. Do you still love me? I need you to know today that your, your position as his child hasn't changed. I say it like this. Your condition doesn't change your position. Your condition doesn't change. Your, you're still his daughter. You're still his son. He's madly in love with you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Third thing you need to know is that you're totally forgiven. You're totally forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross and gave his life as a payment for our sins. When you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of them. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. God does not replay your sins. He releases them. So stop replaying your sins. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our sins from us. Another scripture says he's thrown our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. See, he, he, God has amnesia. I don't even know why you keep bringing it up, God's saying. I, I don't remember that. We're the only ones that grab the fishing pole, go to the sea, and try to fish up our sins and the sins of our neighbor. Stop, stop fishing for stuff. God said, I don't even remember. Stop fishing. You're totally forgiven. It blows my mind that sometimes we put more faith in a moment of failure than we do in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? That was worth coming to church for. We put more faith in a moment of weakness than we do in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's why I love the impact of communion that we take every week. Someone say, you take communion every week? Yep, you better believe it. Jesus says, when you do it, remember me. I wanna remember the sacrifice as often as I can. I wanna remember that that blood still speaks on my behalf because I'm gonna need it this week, are you? I'm gonna need it tomorrow. I'm gonna need it Tuesday. I'm gonna need it on Wednesday, hump day. I'm gonna need it. I'm gonna need it. And it's a reminder to me that I'm totally forgiven. The blood still speaks, Hebrews said. Number four, you need to know this today, that you're considered extremely valuable to God. There's one thing that creates value, what someone is willing to pay for an item. 1 Corinthians 7, 23, you have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus paid for you and I with his life. That's how valuable you are. Calls you his masterpiece. He said, I fearfully and wonderfully made you in your mother's womb. If God took extra time and thought to make you and he calls you wonderful, then why do we allow the enemy, the devil, to tell us we're worthless? Why do we allow the chatter of the enemy to get us in this battle of low or no self-esteem? This battle of depression, oppression, and maybe even suicide thoughts. We don't know our value. And we listen to the wrong voice. We listen to the wrong voice. Well, he just keeps attacking me. He just keeps coming at me. Yep, he's not going to stop. He's a thief. That's his job. He's a thief. And he wants what you have. But he knows he can never get it. The praise and worship leader, he was. And he took third of the angels when he was kicked out of heaven. He knows the presence of God. He knows what it means to be in relationship with God and he'll never get it back. And so he comes to you and I and tries to steal it from us because he's a thief. He's a thief. Every day it seems like a fight. Yep, for me too, because he's a thief. He's coming after something you got. He's coming after something. You are valuable. He's coming. Listen, thieves don't break into empty houses. They break into houses that are full of good things. They break into houses that are valuable. Don't think it's strange that the enemy's coming at you in your house, in your marriage, because you are valuable to the creator of the universe. You're valuable. The enemy wouldn't be attacking you if something very valuable wasn't inside you. In a crowd of seven billion people, God knows you and wants relationship with you. He wants relationship with you. You're accepted. For those of you who are new here, new to the faith, maybe it's your second time coming from Easter, I need you to know today that you're accepted, you're loved, you're forgiven. And you're valuable to the creator of the universe. I need you to know today there's a place here for you. And it may be real messy right now for you. I need you to know that it's okay that it's messy. And we'll walk with you through the mess. It may not be pretty. And maybe you don't get over that habit next week or next month. But you can guarantee we're going to be with you. And you can guarantee we're going to walk with you through the mess. And we're going to point you to the one who cleans up the messes. Jesus Christ, we're going to point you to him and your life's going to get better from here. If you stick around here, you can't help but to get better. If you stick around here, you can't help but to fall in love with Jesus more. If you stick around here, you can't help but to not want to go back to that addiction. If you stick around here, you can't help because when you're in the presence of God with the people of God, your faith gets built, your faith gets stronger and you realize I don't have to live that life anymore. There is a better life for me. There is a blessed life that God has for me and I choose myself to make a change. Relationship first, change second. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we are loved. We are forgiven. We are valuable and we are accepted. As we go from here, Lord, now we can become the friend of sinners. We know your characteristics, Jesus, and we know what 
how you think about us. And now we can line up. We can line up our view, our view of you, God, in a proper, healthy, spiritual way, knowing that you're for us, that you're for us, that you want relationship first, change second, that discipleship is a byproduct of relationship. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the calling and the mission that you placed on this church. As we navigate this series, Lord, it will become real to each of us that every person here, maybe they're searching for a church, maybe they're unsure, maybe they're new, Lord, that it would resonate with them if they're called to help us on this mission, God, that you would just speak to them, that you would show them this is where I want them planted. You would show them, Lord, to be a part of being the neighborhood hope dealers you called us to be. We thank you, God. You're here today and heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're far from Christ. Maybe that relationship thing has never happened for you. Maybe you've never really surrendered totally to Christ, but today you realize, man, I, I, I want to surrender everything. I, maybe you're sa- standing in a mess and you're like, I don't know how to get out of it. This is the first step. This is the first step. This is the first step. It's not too far. You're not, you, you haven't gone too far. You haven't done enough bad that Christ will turn his back on you. You're in the right place. I want you to know that today. If you're here, you say, man, my life's a mess. I've made a mess. I've made a lot of wrong decisions. I want you to know you're in the right church. This is a place for you. Maybe you're here and you used to follow Christ, but for whatever reason, you got off track. You know, you know what you did. You're like, man, today I need to come back to Christ. We're not here to embarrass you or to call you up front or anything like that. But I just want to know who I'm praying for today, and we're going to say a prayer with you. We're going to say a prayer with you in just a second. But if that's you, you say, Jacob, that's me. Include me in on this prayer. I want to give my life to Christ for the first time, or I want to rededicate my life. Go ahead and shoot that hand up right now, right now. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Hands up everywhere. Thank you. Hands up in every section. I see you way in the back. Yep. Yep. Who else? Who else? If your heart would stop beating tonight, thank you. Thank you. Both of you right there. If your heart would stop beating tonight, do you know where eternity is for you? Tomorrow's not promised to anyone. We don't know. If you can't say a definite yes, I know I'll be in heaven with Jesus and my family members who went before me. I know I'll see them again. Come on, raise that hand if you're not sure. Raise that hand. Awesome, thank you. Thank you. Yep, awesome. Let's say this prayer with them, church. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I believe You died for my sins to give me a fresh start and a new beginning that starts today in Jesus' name. Church, let's rejoice with every hand up. Come on, come on. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.